existence Join the resistance Come on, let's start by talking tactics Have a pass and match this Here's how we practice The last order conversation David Jason Hey everybody, this is Pop Culture Continuum This is John Elliott This is Patrick McCarty And uh, this week we have a special guest Introduce yourself, guest Hi, I'm a special guest um, my name is Michael, and uh, I am a drag queen expert. Yes, indeed you are. Uh, uh, Michael uh, and I work together once again. Not going to say where we work, uh, but he is a bona fide gay. <laughs> so that's uh, that's some diversity for this show. We are still all white, all white men. Have you checked men. his credentials? I don't, you know. Oh, I've checked his credentials, Pat. Well, trust me, he's checked. <laughs> oh. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, so. Michael is a a drag expert, as he said, and so uh, these were his choices, these two movies. Uh, So, Michael, why don't you tell us a little bit, uh, well, tell us the titles of the movies and uh, why you picked them, your history with them. Well, I picked two movies that I find to be interesting in that they are sort of um, similar takes on the same idea. Um, The first one is a film that came out in 1991 called... Vegas in Space, and the second film came out in 2003, and that one's uh, called Girls Will Be Girls, and they're unique, um, and I thought you guys would enjoy them, because on one episode that I heard you guys talking about, you were talking about how you like not hearing the the straight white male's point of view in everything, and um, immediately I thought, oh, I'll just suggest this to John, and then John said, oh, well, you should come on and talk about those. Um, meaning to me that you guys probably didn't watch these. What do you mean that we did that we hadn't seen them before, or haven't watched them to this date? No, of course not. We we don't we not. try not to do research <laughs> on any of any of the topics we talk about. I went by the titles. I think I know everything I need to know. <laughs> well, it's me too. Yeah, I it's, I haven't seen this trash. <laughs> I, I, yeah, Vegas in space. Well, as if Vegas needs to go to space, but you kind of get the idea what where that one's coming from. And then girls will be girls. I don't know. It sounds kind of like some feminist bullshit. I assume <laughs> they both star Robert Urich. I would oh. hope. You, one would hope. Guys, I guess that's the entire episode. We're done. We've seen it. We understand. <laughs> Goodbye, everybody. <laughs> no, Bye. They, they, uh, we did watch them both. So uh, let's let's get into it. We'll start with uh, Vegas in space. First, from 1991. Oh, uh, Michael has some strong feelings on this, so go go for it, Mike. No, I do. I love this movie. I so I grew up in Baltimore, and um, so I had this strong affinity for John Waters and for um, I think John Elliott. I think in in sort of conjunction with you, like I get the impression you guys sort of like making your own things. Um, at least from what we've talked about in the past, like your own movies, your own scripts, etc. And, you know, I was one of those kids who did the same thing. And so Vegas in Space is very much a product of the John Waters era in that it's a bunch of drag queens who actually lived in San Francisco versus Baltimore. And um, they essentially, you know, had this party. Um, and the theme of the party was Vegas in Space, you know, the, the person who threw the party was like, oh, let's have a party, and um, I, I want you to perform at my party. You know, free entertainment, obviously. And um, so everybody came in different outer space outfits, and while they were at the party, and I'm sure they were, like, stoned or, you know, coked up beyond belief, 
um, they thought, well, let's make a movie out of this. And um, it's fascinating because it took them like eight years, eight years of filming on weekends and when they had the money to film. And they wrote this like like horrible story. I mean, I love the movie and no shade to any of them. It's not an amazing story. But what's great about it is that it's so um, – it's this movie that's totally put together by amateurs um, or film students um, who are doing this weird sort of art experiment and drag experiment. And you get this corny, like, um, uh, outer space story. And um, you get the um, 1950s-influenced – um, outer space campy science fiction film and you mix that with just guys pretending to be girls and it's it's weirdly hilarious i don't necessarily would get it but i do think that it's a huge cult influence on a lot of um, at least san francisco drag queens or performers now that's very interesting backstory i i knew none of that actually about the movie uh it makes me appreciate it a bit more and uh pat i just want to say uh i think we should have michael on every week because uh I just, yeah, we don't have to talk eloquent. at all no. yeah, he's far more eloquent uh <laughs> far much less f-bombs uh after i watched the movie i read a write-up that told some of that stuff uh, some some guy put together a, a uh he had interviews with the cast and in like 2011 something like that and it is, it's, it's fascinating how it all came together. I think that's as much of a good story as the movie itself. Yeah. The director, um, whose name I can't remember. It's Philip something like Philip Ford or Philip Halls. I can't remember. I'm like, I'm terrible with details, but I remember the, the broad strokes. Um, he is kind of a character that I think is still here in town in San Francisco. That is, um, and he has sort of preserved what he could of the history of the film and seems to be, seems to pop up every few years with sort of a rebirth or there's always renewed interests, um, in the film. Um, it's like trauma, um, which does the toxic Avenger. Right, right. Yeah. Right. We're familiar with trauma for sure. All those wonderful films that they produce. Um, I guess they had originally been um, a partial financer or um, they agreed to distribute the film or something. I'm not exactly clear on how they got involved, but um, they were involved way back when in the eighties when they were filming this thing and um, they re- have released it on DVD, I think only recently. And it's really hardly ever even been shown on TV. It's been mostly like a midnight movie, I think. Right. The guy, uh, the article I read said uh, it was often shown on that USA up all night show. Yeah. It was, so, which I had never heard of. Actually, our friend Laura, um, John and I work with this chick, Laura, who is, this is right up her alley. She oh, just yeah. like casually mentioned to me one day, she said, you know that movie about the drag queens and they're in outer space? <laughs> I'm like, what are you talking about? And like, she, she thought about it and we went back and forth about what it was about and who was in it. And she's like, oh, it's really bad, but it's funny. And, um, and I, I instantly I was hooked and I had to find this movie and I ordered it immediately on Amazon and um, began immediately uh, memorizing and taking it into my own lexicon uh, because there's some really funny shit in this movie. And it's it's what's what's really fascinating to me as well is that um, it's helmed by um, two characters. Um, what, the lead character is um, 
uh, a drag queen named Doris Fish, who was Australian, and she came to San Francisco and um, was one of the main, if not the main force behind making this movie. And um, essentially, she died of AIDS before it ever got finished or got released. So she never saw the premiere of this film. Um, But she financed it through prostitution. (laughs) And there's all these great stories about how they would need money excuse me, how they would need money to um, film a scene or to get, go get film. And so she'd make a call and go out and she'd be gone for 25 minutes and she'd come back with 50 bucks or something. And, um, and the story I read that, that she was a prostitute, but she wasn't in drag for her prostitute career. She had right. a really, really like rough voice that you, she used on the phone for that. And then she went back to her other voice when they were doing the work, which makes it all the more interesting. <laughs> It truly, I mean, because that, that's the film starts with her as a guy. Yeah, and she's um, Lieutenant Dan Tracy, and they go to a planet um, named Clitoris, and um, I'm, it sounds like so a the main... humor's subtle, right? Exactly. Yeah, because it was the planet Clitoris. You forgot to mention in the Beaver system, right? <laughs> where where no man is allowed to touch or set foot or touch down. So you have to be a woman and they take pills to turn them into women. And through amazing special effects, um, they take these pills and are turned into um, female versions of themselves. Now, now uh, Dan Tracy becomes Tracy Daniels, who is extremely glamorous. And um, the other two crewmen, actually there are three crewmen, Two of them are already women, but they become women um, for the film, so they're kind of cheating. And the fourth one is a dude who decided early in the filming that he didn't want to get in drag, so they kill him. <laughs> oh, is that why he died? I thought that was funny <laughs> that, that he just died well, the interv- and blew up. The interview I read said he had already done drag. He just didn't have the time to do it. He wrote, yeah. all this, he wrote a lot of the songs, but he was in a band and didn't have time to be in the movie. It wasn't that he didn't want to do drag, it just, but it was funny. Exactly. Let me take two pills and let's see what happens. Yeah. <laughs> and he just basically fades away. Like they, their their special effects are so bad that he just sort of disappears from the film, <laughs> and they don't really mention him ever again. And it's just kind of an awesome moment where he's gone within the first few minutes. And um, he he did. He wrote the music for the film, and he was in a band, and he had a lot of things going on. And I guess he just wasn't ready to make that um, commitment because they. I mean, they did, they didn't know they were going to be doing this for eight years, obviously. But um, when you watch um, the DVD version, it comes with a um, kind of a behind-the-scenes thing that's very similar to what you can find online in article form. And Doris Fish um, insisted on doing all of the makeup for everybody, like even the extras. So they would go in, and it would be 12 hours of makeup before they could even film. And it was because she just insisted that she get it um, her way. And she did this... You know, for the 80s, you know, it's it's not like what you would see now. But for the 80s, it's incredibly consistent with all the characters. And it's very creative because drag queens historically wanted to be like Miss America. You know, they wanted to be like beautiful and um, pass for women or fool people into thinking they were women, at least for the shows that they would do. But like they're green in these movies. Um, in this movie, there's they're alien drag queens and they're kind of hideous and they're ugly and funny versus pretty. And that's very San Francisco. Um, it's why like San Francisco drag queens tend not to um, like get on RuPaul's drag race. For example, I know you're both huge fans of RuPaul's drag race. Um, 
but they tend not to pick San Francisco drag queens because they're more about like a character and creating sort of a funny, um, odd genre pushing thing than they are about um, being pretty and, you know, glamorous. Substance over style. Right, exactly. I mean, like, look at some of the. I, I, you guys know who like Peaches Christ is, for example. Yep, I like, do. I don't know if Pat does. I don't know if that. that... Well, I just found. I just found that because she was in. She's. She, she's a, apparently a huge fan of this movie, and she's carrying on the torch of talking about it because she was in the article I read. Exactly, and like she's she start does these midnight mass things at the Castro, and she sort of keeps cult film and underground film in a current conversation and um she helps sort of bring it to people's attention and she's made her own movies and um she's kind of a terrifying looking drag queen when you see her she's gigantic and her makeup is terrifying like you kind of it's that whole like i'm scared of you more than i am like delighted by you right sort of thing and it pushes people like into uncomfortable places which is where i what i love um, and that's what this whole movie, I mean, the movie, it's hardly a story worth talking about. Yeah. Well, I mean, plot wise, it, some, some of it's absolutely incoherent. Right. <laughs> um, and you said, uh, John Waters, uh, to me, I thought more Ed Wood with this one. Sure. Um, it, well, I'll tell you there, there's one issue I, I have that, uh, that we'll talk about when I first watched it, I was like, what the fuck? Um, <laughs> Because when the, I watched it, I was charmed by it, and I thought it was funny and really hilarious. But on top of that, I was really looking forward to hearing John talk about it because I, I almost was certain that he'd hate it. And I, I thought I would, although I couldn't stop watching it. Like, <laughs> I wanted to watch it all the way through, and I thought I would hate it. But after watching it, the more I thought about it, the more I agreed that it, uh, it was charming. The one issue uh, I have that I was going to bring up was um, the camp. It The camp to it was self-consciously so like uh with mm. with ed wood i think part of the charm is that the dude believed he was making casablanca and shit whereas sure. as here um they're aware that what they're doing is camp like there was even even a line um uh something like uh calm down it was just a bad dream sequence right right so but is it still camp if it's made to be that do you know what i'm saying um i it, totally do I'd say no, it's not camp. I'd say that it's um, maybe sort of a, a form of like meta commentary on camp or um, so it's a like, parody. It's like camp squared. <laughs> kind of. Um, I mean, drag queens sort of use camp. And if you if you go back to like Susan Sontag and her definition of camp, that camp is like it, it has to be a sincere attempt that fails like Elizabeth Berkeley in showgirls, that woman thought she was going to get an Oscar. Right. Right. You know, she approaches that like that is a great role. And that is a, the best movie she's ever going to be in. And, um, so many like, like Faye Dunaway in mommy dearest, she tears that shit up because she's taking that seriously. She is not playing that for laughs. And when you get to, um, what drag Queens do is that they, they see that from sort of an, a level where they're stepping back from it. And they're sort of, parodying a parody in a way or an unintentional parody or right it it's really hard to explain what they do um and i'm so in awe of people that can do that and do it well but you're right they're not it's not camp at all when they're completely going for the laugh right uh, okay just that term gets misused a lot i think yeah yeah well and john waters has has i've read uh, john waters talk about camp as well and and he kind of went with the uh, the Susan Sontag definition. That's why he didn't consider his own stuff uh, camp. 
necessarily because right. um, it was also self-conscious. Um, this is all actually very fascinating. I'm not being sarcastic. Uh, <laughs> I'm actually fascinated by it. It's a whole... I never would have seen these movies on my own, and uh, I'm I'm kind of uh, I'm kind of intrigued by the aesthetic of it of it all. Oh yeah, yeah. I mean, like you. I mean, you and I have talked. Uh, it was a while ago, but you were like also at one point into um, like thinking about writing a, a short movie or or um, short plays and stuff like that. Correct? Yes. Yeah. Well, I actually did write one, and I, I had wanted been wanting to film it at work for a long time, and and you know how it is trying to get people yeah. together to do something there. But yeah, yeah. Yeah, totally. And when when I thought of, I thought you might enjoy it because just looking at this movie and so it's all filmed in one person's apartment and they would just build the sets, film those scenes, take down the sets or leave them up. Um, But one of the sets, um, according to an article, I think that I've read at some point is that they left the decorations up from the original party and just used that as um, decoration for one of the scenes. Um, and like that kind of like guerrilla filmmaking where it's like, Hey, fuck it. we got a camera, you know, we got right. some and, fur and we're going to, you know, we don't, why worry about exteriors? Let's get a tumbler and paint some, uh, tennis balls or ping pong balls. And, uh, that's, <laughs> that's our Las Vegas in space. <laughs> Cause it's truly, it looks like that's what they did. They just like paste, like painted some ping pong balls for their, um, for their city scene which is filmed like seven years after they start filming the scenes on the inside of the spaceship. So it's crazy when you like watch or read all of the information that's out there. And Patrick, you probably found one of the better articles that I've seen. Like they talk about how like, you know, spread out things were that like people would have like aged, you know, (laughs) like they had to like cover the fact that people were seven years older (laughs) by the time they finished it. And it's, it's almost like, you know, that new season of Arrested Development where it seems like they film it at all different times and people look like heavier in some places and, and older in some. And it's, it's just a weird, weird movie that barely holds together except for the fact that it's so charming and Doris well, Fish, so magnetic. Oh yeah. And, and this, and I think she's more magnetic when I hear the, when I read the stories about her, I did, I mean, going in, I knew nothing about her, but reading the, I didn't know that drag was frowned upon when, I guess, when she first got to San Francisco and there's, I guess, the first gay pride parade. I don't even think they called it that, but they, there was a specific order, no drag, don't, don't come in drag. And she specifically went against that. And I think that's pretty awesome. And the fact that she considered herself, I think it was something, her quote was something like, I'm, I'm an artist. My body, my body is the, 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 the canvas. And I just want to create new art every time I, I put myself together. And yeah. I guess she was doing that for everyone in the film. And it's kind of tragic that she died, but it's still awesome that she put it all together. Yeah, like to be like somebody who, I mean, she, the, in terms of her, like, treating herself as a canvas, like, there's many stories that I've read where they talk about how she painted her teeth <laughs> because yeah. she, she wanted her teeth to be, like, the whitest white they could be. And she looked <laughs> at every part of her body as this canvas that she could work with. And um, it's, the movie is hilarious because like you can see that her teeth are really, really white. And I lo- I've Googled pictures of her and her teeth are un- like unnaturally white in a lot of scenes, which is fantastic to me. Like t- to think that you could just paint your teeth and, you know, go out it would be amazing. But <laughs> and they, they said, not only was she painting her teeth white, the paint they were using was not, was not made for the human body. Right. <laughs> it was like house paint. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so they're giving themselves all these diseases to make the movie. <laughs> 
<laughs> oh, that's great. Uh, it really is, and they're you know they're inspired by like so many of the same things that like straight guys are inspired by. You know, they're just looking at it in a different way. Like, I I watched those old B movies and C movies and stuff like that when I was a kid. Not that not that a lot of them were around on you know the um, I didn't see a whole lot of the sci-fi that they saw, but the fact that they took the same thing that somebody like Steven Spielberg saw and they turned it into like their own twisted version of it. And it's out there and it's like on DVD and it's, it's again, it's not the best movie in the world, but it's, um, it's so there's so much reference and cross reference and funny bitchy lines that you can work into your everyday conversation. And, it's sort of a badge of honor if somebody recognizes something that you said. Like, um, uh, I'm, I've decided to take that. Um, uh, Doris says in at one point, or Tracy Daniels says, um, uh, I feel like I'm all over the place, by the way, so please rein me in. Whenever oh, that's, you how, that's how we do things here, man. Good, good. And she says, um, glamour first, glamour last, glamour always. And... <laughs> That has got to be like my favorite thing ever for somebody to say that means nothing and you can just say it and it sounds really important. And there's so many great lines. And there's references to Mommy Dearest um, when um, the Queen Nueva Empress of um, Vegas in space or Clitoris in the Beaver system says, um, I'm not mad at you. I'm mad at the hors d'oeuvres. <laughs> it's like in Mommy Dearest, it's like, I'm not mad at you. I'm mad at the dirt. And um, they, they just there's all this background chatter that's happening with some of the other queens, and it's all funny if you can isolate it. If you can pick up on it, yeah, yeah, because it's going on underneath uh, other dialogue and music right. and stuff, right? It's so janky. Even on the DVD, you can't turn on the subtitles. Like there's supposed to be subtitles that you can turn on so you can make sense of this movie. Because I've seen it so many times, just because I couldn't understand it. The sound is terrible. And when you go to turn on the subtitles, nothing happens. It's just janky, doesn't work right, um, which kind of makes me love it just as much. <laughs> like the, the DVD doesn't even work right. And, and, the, and that could be a, a trauma thing, too. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> they're not, well, it doesn't not, matter. It works well. I mean, it, it's appropriate. Exactly. Well, exactly. You were talking about the uh, the bitchy dialogue, which uh, is to be expected. I at least I expected it going into sure. the movie. Uh, one thing I didn't expect was that it's actually kind of a sweet movie. This one, mm-hmm. I, it's got a, it a nice heart at the center of it. It is. You start with like who you think they. What's really interesting about the villain of the movie is the the other big half. Um, uh, the other half of the movie, the other influence in the movie is a drag queen named Miss X, who is the queen of police. I think her character's name is um, uh, she plays two characters, but she also she plays uh, the queen, queen of veneer. Veneer, that's it, queen yeah. veneer. And um, makeup is amazing, like a weird skinny body, like legs that just look like toothpicks, like very weird to see. But they set her up to sort of be a bitch or like the evil enemy at the beginning. And as she talks, she actually becomes, like, one of the more relatable, like, normal characters. Like, she's sort of the one who's like, yes, I'm in a three-foot ponytail, but these queens in this city, they don't appreciate, you know, uh, anything. They just love the, the – everything has to be glamorous and beautiful. And she lives in a black-and-white castle, and the film actually becomes black-and-white <laughs> with her castle, which is totally <laughs> – 
a great segment. Just yeah. random. For, yeah, <laughs> there was no reason to do that. I thought maybe well, they, they had black and white film was a little bit cheaper and they wanted to save some money. They've said I've read in the in the um, or not read but in the um, documentary that follows it on the DVD they do say that the black and white filming was cheaper, but that they did it because Miss X, who was the other you know half of this team, really loved those fifties black and white movies, and she insists that it was mostly because she really wanted to pay homage to those black and white movies. <laughs> but clearly, it's also cheaper to shoot black and white as long as they were in, you know, that, that set or that castle. They were there for a long time, it seems. I always fall asleep when they go to black and white, and then I wake back up and rewind it or whatever. But um, it's it's an interesting movie because you really get this weird feeling of this is, you know, this is like a 50s sci-fi when they go black and white. And then it's just because the atmosphere is too thin to hold the color. <laughs> right, that was their explanation for the black and white. <laughs> And they take uh, that's at her castle. They go to her castle to discuss something privately, and they take glamour pills. <laughs> it redoes their drag, and it refreshes their whole look. And it's just—it's so cheaply done, but it's so amazing. And when she goes back to the color part of um, clitoris, um, she's in a ridiculous new outfit with fringes, and her hair is like three times bigger. And um, the 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 ideas behind that are hilarious to me. I wish somebody would either pick up on that and like make a new movie based on sort of Vegas in space, or I don't want to. I hate remakes necessarily, but like there's so many funny things in that movie that they could do on a, a funny in a funny way, the way that you know the other movie does. Like Girls Will Be Girls. Like not to segue into that already, but. Like that Vegas in space is so there's so much richness there. Well, I I don't know that it would be the same with production values, though. You know what I mean? True. True. It would probably not be charming in the same way. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, those uh, miniature scenes they they were obviously a labor of love, and they're terrible, but they're awfully fun. (laughs) They are, and I never really noticed it, but they're really. I read in an article just recently when I was brushing up on this that she um, they. One of the sets is just fun fur. Like, it's just they hang fun fur, and it's just pink or green or something like that. And it's just a hallway that they've cut, coated in fun fur. And when you start to look for that shit, you really see it. And you see the set shaking as they walk by. <laughs> or you see, like, the, all the great stuff that makes this movie, like, so... Like, you feel like you made it, or your friends made it, and you feel like you want to be part of it, and you wish yeah. you could of it oh well i mean i, I, I watched it oh god i think the three of us could write uh this script in a weekend if totally. we if we wanted to but i couldn't do the makeup no 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 <laughs> well we could get mia back in for uh for makeup or something and um i'll star have you have you seen her face i don't know that you want her doing makeup <laughs> Just, you should see it without it <laughs> kind of like a, a diseased clown either way I love Mia. I'm just kidding. I love Mia too. Uh, she knows. She knows. She can go fuck herself if she takes any offense to this. <laughs> that whore. And she'll have to with, with that clown makeup. <laughs> Nobody else gonna do it. I don't think we need to worry. She never listens to the show. I can no, tell I, I how she talks so. last time. She yeah. kept calling me Pete. <laughs> 
Yeah, I, I find myself while watching this, I find myself wishing they showed it in midnight showings around here because I think it would be like watching Rocky Horror Picture. Like the crowd would be into it and make it a little bit more fun. I thought it was fun on its own, but it would be really fun with a bunch of people late, like who also enjoy it. I can't really picture them showing it in South Philly. Not <laughs> South Philly, but well, like there's like in Philly, there's like the TLA. Is that theater still there? Yeah, TLA on yeah. South Street. Like I, yeah. I don't. I don't, I don't know South Philly super well, but like uh, like Rocky Horror used to show in like South Street in Philadelphia. Um, I mean, not that I'm that old, but I hear it showed um, in the 80s. And it seems like it would be a great midnight movie. I completely agree. I would love to see what other people do with a movie like that or how they react to a movie like that. You know, I don't need to see the like the 10, 20 minute. I love the pre-shows that drag queens do. Don't get me wrong. Like here you go to a midnight mass and it's 20 minutes to a half an hour of like drag queens like doing their favorite scene from a movie and doing something funny and hilarious. And But then you have to sit through two hours of the movie and it's 2.30 by the time you're out and you're like, oh my God, I'm so tired. I can't sit through this. Um, so I would rather see just drag queens doing movies like this or just, you know, like I, I like the idea of a midnight movie without the movie itself necessarily. <laughs> like to see just skipping the boring parts, just the good yeah. parts. Yeah, exactly. Or do it earlier because, you know, when you're at a certain age, it's hard to stay up that late. I was going to say, <laughs> you, you just hit the nail on the head. The main reason I can't be gay, I can't be staying out till 2.30. Right. To watch a movie. <laughs> yeah, I'm in bed at 10.30 most nights. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's, that's, that's the main barrier for me. Yeah. Um, yeah, so I, I guess we, we all would recommend this movie. Oh, highly. Yeah, people should check it out. Uh, it's it's entertaining. It's on Amazon. Is it really? Well, to That's rent. That's how I watched it. Well, you can buy it. In, uh, but Yeah, I rented it on Amazon Prime. I didn't know you could rent it on Amazon Prime. I never thought about that. That's great. So now we're getting to the second movie, um, which this one, uh, they probably spent the budget uh, that they spent on uh, Vegas in space, just on the title sequence of this movie. Yeah. Uh, well, I think they spent getting Dana Gould. Yeah, yeah, Dana Gould. I don't know if uh, if you're familiar with him, Michael. He's a he's a stand-up comedian who's been around forever. But he he played the guy uh, who who hit the main not the main character, but hit her with his car and then came over. Oh yeah, he's got that line um, where she he, he comes over because he hit her, but then she wants to fuck him, and she's like. Don't you know me? And he's like, you have a hit and run hooch hound. Right. <laughs> so go- I didn't know he was, I didn't know, when I watched the movie, I just thought of him as Seinfeld's cousin from that episode. I didn't know he was famous until I yeah, his, him Yeah, well, Seinfeld's uh, summer friend, yeah. Yeah, I thought, oh, it's just his summer friend, okay. Yeah, yeah. Uh, girls Will Be Girls, I don't know if we mentioned the title of the, of right. the second movie. Um, yeah, no, he was, and then uh, Cam was in it. Oh, well. Since we have Michael here, let's because sure. we've talked about this before. Uh, do you watch Modern Family? You know, I I do. I kind of hate myself for it these days. Um, well, we had talked. I don't mind Modern Family. It's it's fine. Uh, it's fine for a uh, major network sitcom, sure. I think. But uh, Cam is kind of an over the type stereotype, over the top yeah. stereotype, and I wondered if if. Uh, if that resonated with you at all, or if you didn't even give it any thought, but well, I, I find it mildly offensive the, the way he, the actor plays that character. Oh, I, th- I find, um, well, I loved modern family when it started. Cause I feel like they weren't so over the top with it. 
And then I feel like it got really stereotypy somewhere in the third, late second to third season with Gloria and with Cam. And it felt like they were, they were, they were, there was a turning point where they stopped being funny and started just being ridiculous for the sake of being ridiculous. And Cam, every time Cam is like the center of an episode, like I just have to grit my teeth. And, and that's just me. Like my partner loves that show and he thinks I'm being totally ridiculous for um, disliking Cam or disliking the way they treat his stories. But I feel like the gay guys are always getting these ridiculous stories that are kind of like dramatic because they're fussy or something like that. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I think it's lazy. Yeah, it is kind of and Gloria is always like this fly off the handle um, you know, South American. Hot-blooded Latina. Right. Yeah. But and that's just, like, that's just how they are. Yeah, that well, that is how they those people are. So I, I, I have no problem agree. with that. <laughs> I know one person who is Brazilian and she is exactly like that, but um aside from that, I do you should feel judge like, you should judge whole groups by one person. I think well, so. It, it works well for me. It seems fair. It really does. No, but uh, that show, um, it's interesting because um, I had seen Girls Will Be Girls for years before I saw Modern Family. And Eric Stone Street, who plays Cam, is in Girls Will Be Girls as a completely despicable, um, like, rapist doctor <laughs> who... Um, Dr. Perfect. He, he was, yeah, he was Dr. Perfect. Yeah. back when he was cute <laughs> and he has some scenes in there that i'm like oh my god like like it's funny but it's like it's so counter the image that um they've built with cam being like this you know it's hilarious clownish but sweet good-hearted person and it's funny to see him in something totally um the opposite of what he plays now well that was man i i swear to god i sound like uh I sound like a student at Vassar or something here on this episode because that that was the one thing that uh, that I found distasteful about this movie was the uh, the rape the rape humor <laughs> which I didn't find funny like it's a really hard line to tread because overall they did a lot of a lot of uh, dark humor that that worked I thought yeah um, and and just like super bitchy uh, humor that was good but then the rape stuff I I thought was a little off the rails and and uh, uh, borderline offensive. Yeah, even I would say that there's some jokes in this movie that, or there's some places this movie goes where I'm like, what were you thinking? Like, the Coco, well, so to back up, this whole movie is um, 2003, it stars three main um, characters being Evie, who is played by Jack Plotnick, who is best known for, I think he was in Ellen. Um, I think he's in other things. I don't know what exactly, but he's like one of those early gay actors that you saw in everything because he represented the gay man at some point. And I never knew that he did a drag character until I saw this movie. Um, but he's also he's got this whole Hollywood backstory where he's he helps um, teach people how to have auditions, and he's really super connected to like. Um, uh, like television people. He like has this workshop where he teaches them to go into auditions and how to be confident and how to audition. Essentially. It's really weird. I've strange also that I've done so much research into this guy, but, um, so the Jack Sounds Plotnick, like he's a part of the gaff game off. Yeah. <laughs> kind of. I mean, he's, he's been around a while. Well, yeah, I, I'm looking him up and, uh, maybe you already knew this, but, uh, 
in in production right now, he's going to be an actor in Girls Will Be Girls 2012. Right. Which is now a year late. Right. <laughs> but yeah, exactly. Like this. So they made this movie with Jack with um, Coco. God, what is Coco's last name? I can never remember. Hold She's on. a comedian, well-known drag queen, uh, been around for years. I always want to say Chanel, but it's not Chanel. Coco Peru? Coco Peru, of course. Um, New York-based drag queen who, who's had like comedy specials on like um, on Logo, which is essentially, you know, the gay channel. Right. Um, so she's long-established drag queen, um, and the current like my favorite drag queen ever, um, Varla Jean Merman, who essentially those three people create characters rather than do other people. Right. So they're really unique, and they're no—they're not trying to do Diana Ross or anything like that, like some drag queens do, which is fine. But they're—they're um, they're really um, well-developed characters. And Varla has her own movie um, called Varla Jean and the Mushroom Heads, which is amazing. Um, Varla does all these these online videos, which are hilarious. Varla tours, and she comes to San Francisco like once a year, and we always go see her, and she is truly amazing like she really does sing and she really does kind of that whole deal she was on project runway um one year um when they were doing drag queens she's very well known but she's not like rupaul for some reason she's never broken through in that sense right but um so those three main people are involved as actresses and then you've got like richard day who i think is sort of the secret weapon and richard day is the director um, I think the whole thing is filmed at his house and he's like associated with um, Ellen again, originally he was part of that Ellen show back when she was uh, just coming out of the closet, but he's also from Arrested Development. Right. I saw he was a producer and, and writer on Arrested Development. Exactly. And there's, there's a couple people like um, Evie, Evie's son plays like this hunky guy with a tiny penis who is also from Arrested Development. Um, he played like a priest or something that Tobias um, falls in love with. Um, oh, right. At some point in Arrested Development. And um, th- so it's kind of this dream team of like like really funny people. And there's definitely points where this movie, the story gets really dark. <laughs> really dark. But there's so many funny sort of like drunk old lady jokes like evie is played like for comedy and in her her age when you first see her she's like no wig and she's got to put her teeth in and put an eye in (laughs) she's like just a complete mess and she's evil and scheming in just a hilarious way and her humor um, there's one line that i love but nobody ever laughs at when i repeat it which is um She's telling somebody about Mary Tyler Moore, and she says, oh, Mary Tyler Moore, funny story, she has diabetes. <laughs> no, I wrote that line down. I laughed at that, too. <laughs> <laughs> and for years, I thought, like, the way that she did that, it just stopped. And, you know, Mary Tyler Moore is still alive, and it's just so tasteless, but it's so funny. And that's kind of the, the what they set up for that character, to just keep going with that kind of humor. And she's always knocking Varla for her weight. And she's always knocking Coco for being a doormat. And um, or just for being stupid. And she calls Coco her maid. Right. <laughs> like, it's kind of like this amazing, bitchy mess of a movie that it moves right along. You know, like, it's not a long movie. And 
they don't get mired down in any one thing too long, except maybe at the end. Um, but they all have their own story. It's more based where where Vegas in Space is sort of based on fifties um, sci-fi. This is more like Valley of the Dolls, um, as done by drag queens. Yeah, well, I'm, and this has, I mean, let's be honest, this has uh, a plot uh, written by people who know how to plot a movie. Sure. Uh, in in contrast to Vegas in Space, uh, I don't, I don't think. That's I'm bad mouthing Vegas in space for that. No, it's not just, at all. It's, no, uh, no. it's it's obvious. Uh, the I do like I said the rape stuff bothered me, but in general I like I like the dark and bitchy humor. Well, I I think uh, Michael knows me. I I love sure. the bitchy humor. Um, I've picked up on that. There were <laughs> there were. There are a lot of really good lines. Yeah, a lot uh, of really good lines. About the abortion, I've had more chil- oh. children pulled out of me than a burning orphanage. <laughs> I wrote that down. I was about to say that. <laughs> Even, even I'm, when uh, when Coco went to uh, Doctor Perfect the first time, and he says, "Is this your first abortion?" <laughs> Very cheerfully. And then the fact that that she goes back just to see him again. Right, she, she gets, gets knocked up. Purpose. <laughs> she goes back just to get an abortion. Oh, that's amazing. And he has the ring on. <laughs> ruins everything. But but luckily he turns up again as Eric Stone Street. Uh, many years later and pounds later uh who rapes her under anesthetic <laughs> which i know is shouldn't be laughing at but like that's like the the benefit of like a drag movie in that they're they're not trying to do comedy they're not trying to do camp they're trying to do something beyond both of those things and they can kind of look like back with like two lenses at like not only parody but like also like really transgressive humor, right? And I think they definitely cross the line. That a, I've, a lot of my friends who are gay even have seen that movie and like said nothing to me about it. Like I don't know if they liked it or not. I don't know about Todd, for example. Like he's a he's somebody that John and I both know and very very funny person. I don't know what he thinks of this movie. We've never talked about it, but I've recommended it to everybody because I think it's so funny. It's definitely. I mean, it it. Uh... This dude who who directed it um, obviously has a pedigree in comedy, and uh, it is it, the jokes. The jokes are good. I mean, for example, in Vegas in Space, something I groaned at was uh, they did the walk this way joke, which was oh, like, I thought that was great. It was that was old before we were born because they said <laughs> that was so great. They knew how old it was, <laughs> and they did it with a, a, a you know a drag way, not the old fashioned humpy way. <laughs> It was awesome. All right, we we agree to disagree on that one, Pat. But my my point is that uh, this one was was much more sophisticated humor. Totally, and you know, production value is so much higher. Oh I mean, like, God, this, yeah. This got um, uh, somehow they got the guy from Blossom. I don't know how they could afford him. What? Oh yeah. Oh yeah. The dude. Yeah, you're right. The dude from Blossom. Bitch. And what's funny is if you if so this movie after this movie. Um, and we could certainly go back to talking about the movie, but after the movie, during the writer's strike, they produced like six mini movies or six mini episodes of Girls Will Be Girls. And there's one episode where they're sort of reproducing an Evie Harris, um, Jack Plotnick's character, a Christmas special. And in that Christmas special called Christmas Evie, it's on, um, not Hulu, um, uh, Vimeo. They're all on Vimeo now, I think. And 
like Tom Link is in it, who was in Buffy the Vampire Slayer. He's and, awesome. I need to watch that because he's funny. Yeah, and and they they just they don't say anything about him, you know, being anybody famous, and he's not a very important character. But they get all these like sort of sort of famous people like to do very small roles in the background in some way, and some of them I don't even know who they are, but. Um, there's always something happening that's a little bit beyond, but it's based on how connected Jack Plotnick is and how many people he knows and how big his reach in the gay mafia is. Because I think that guy from Blossom is gay. I'm not sure, but Michael Stolarski or something like that. Um, I think he's gay. And um, Tom Link is. And it's yeah. like it's like a who's who of like all of like 30s-ish gay Hollywood. In, uh, but Cam isn't. And he isn't, exactly. He's not. Um, And in that movie, you would never even make that mistake for it. Um, No. (laughs) It's the way he acts. I'm glad you said the guy from Blossom, because when he was on, when his scene was on, I was going crazy. I was like, is that the dude from Blue's Clues? Where the hell do I know this guy from? (laughs) Who is also gay. (laughs) Shock. (laughs) Both of the guys from Blue's Clues are gay, or just the first guy? There's one, I don't know which, I can't say I ever saw that show, um, but I I know one of the two guys was gay for sure. And, and the dog was gay as well. Of course. Of course. The dog was a lesbian. Um, and the... Um, the all dogs were bisexual. And all, and all cats are... <laughs> never mind. No, go ahead. This is going nowhere, this... <laughs> But you should, if if you guys or um, anybody who's interested looks for these extra episodes, they're actually really funny, short tastes of Girls Will Be Girls, including one where Varla has a stalker who she thinks is a lesbian, and then um, she realizes it's not a lesbian, it's just some guy, and it has like the best ending you could possibly imagine, where she's like trying to get the stalker's attention. She's dancing in front of her window naked. <laughs> when he finally shows up, he um, he basically jerks off all over her window <laughs> as she's dancing for him. And there's something like really <laughs> amazing about how far they go with their humor. Well, I think we've all been there. Oh, sure. Sure. Yeah. Well, it's, both sides. it's relatable. Yeah, yeah, both sides. Not since last week, but... <laughs> yeah, I... Uh... It's only Monday. Yeah. <laughs> it's true. I, I was very. It's very interesting. Like, I don't know anything about the the world of drag queens. Do you have you done drag, Michael? You know, not in the traditional way. Like, I would never want to be like um, recognizable. So, like, there's this show in San Francisco that I do every now and then. That the dance party right. show. And there's been like one or two episodes where I have gone as a female character. Um, where I wear a costume that totally covers my face. Um, oh well, and, your your picture on uh, Skype right now is right. is one of those costumes. Yeah, exactly. Like that's the farthest I've ever gone in drag because I don't want to do makeup. You know, like I have a beard, I don't want to shave, <laughs> frankly. Um, so I don't want to go the full route, at least at this point in my life. But it's really weirdly empowering and kind of like awesome how people treat you when they don't kind of know what you are. <laughs> And there's something that's, that hits me at a very deep spot that makes me say, I will do drag again, and I will do it more seriously. Um, uh, you heard it here first. Um, but I, at this point anyway, I'm not interested in like um, learning all the makeup stuff, because like, that's a lot of work. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, 
especially when you're doing a Vegas in space style makeup, um, right. With your whole face blue. Right. Exactly. Like I would do it to be in a movie in a heartbeat, (laughs) but to be on like a local dance show on on a public access TV channel, like, no, thank you. Not going to do it for that. You got to work your way up. That's true. (laughs) I'll consider it. I did do Princess Leia at Comic Con this year. Oh yeah, I, I saw. Yeah, I did it as like a busted one where I like blacked out a tooth and I didn't shave <laughs> and I blacked my I like used makeup to make my eyes look black. Like I had a really rough night, and the point was to be a really ugly Princess Leia, and that was really funny. But like it didn't convince anybody that I was a woman for sure. Right. Well, it was it was more like uh, if if Carrie Fisher was playing Princess Leia present day. Exactly. That's kind of my inspiration. And we had, we had an, uh, another coworker uh, went in drag. Julia, right? She was Han Solo. Yeah, Julia was Han Solo. Um, we got somebody. Our our theme was janky Star Wars, so like Julia was Han Solo, and she took it very seriously. She looked straight up Han Solo, but we had um, someone else do C three PO, but she just wore like sweatpants that were yellow and a yellow t-shirt and we cut we cut a mask out of paper and she put it it was just like it was just funny dumb star wars and somebody else wore a yoda hat and like i think i probably took it the furthest of anybody but we, we were trying to like do this gender fuck slash um you know janky like 10 cent star wars um homage go up star wars yeah i'm not a huge star wars person uh, fan so like I'm like, oh, fuck that. Like I'll have fun with it. And um it got a good response. So who knows, maybe one day I will do it professionally. Uh, thanks for bringing it back around cuz that was just work talk there for a, a yeah. minute. Sorry, Pat. <laughs> Sorry. I've met all those people once. So what did you guys When you were standing you? outside the window uh masturbating? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I think I was inside and they were watching. Sorry, what were you to say, Michael? So between the two movies, like to bring it to your movie conversation, what which do you guys have a favorite between the two? I mean, oh, by is that far, the way Vegas you, and space. I would is... say Vegas and space. Yeah, <laughs> I think that's amazing. I totally thought you would go the other way. I love that you love Vegas and space. The, the girls will be girls. Girls is kind of a movie with drag queens. It's it's nothing special, but I think Vegas and space is awesome. It's just it's like a cult. It's it's a definite cult classic. I don't think in twenty years people will be talking about girls will be girls like they talk about Vegas and space. I hope not. I hope that Vegas and space like gets like so much more attention. I mean, the fact that it took me until last year to even find out about it, like it took I'm, me until last week, right? Yeah. <laughs> like, how can a movie that was made in the city that I've lived in for like twelve years? And like a city that like embraces that kind of weird shit and celebrates it. And, you know, like we love that shit here. I'm surprised it doesn't play at the Castro like once a year. Sorry to interrupt you. No, but you're totally right. Like, why doesn't it play there? Like, I'm I'm sure there's all kinds of politics behind that kind of thing or or what have you. But it should play once a year because it's a classic. And it would be I think people would be so inspired to see it, even if you're not like necessarily into drag queens or Whatever. If you're into like making your own movies or appreciating people who do, um, like either movie is great. Vegas and Space is like special because you can see how hard it must have been and how how much work they did themselves. You know, building all that stuff and you know just having fun um, with a very limited <laughs> budget. Clearly. Oh yeah, I think like adjusting for inflation, the budget for that thing was probably a dollar sixty-seven. Oh yeah. <laughs> 
and, and that was all makeup. <laughs> but or well, paint. How is how is girls will be girls seen in the uh, in the community? Like, is that shown at the Castro? Is that a bigger deal? Well, I don't think it's really shown in the Castro as much as it is like um, it's. So it was sh- it shows on Logo, or it used to show on Logo a lot when Logo was a new channel, um, or in the last few years as RuPaul's Drag Race has become more and more popular. Um, and they edit out some of the um, meaner or dirtier references, obviously. Right. Um, so it's kind of a little toothless when you watch it on TV, but it's still funny. Um, and it's done well enough that um, the sequel is was funded on Kickstarter, like when Kickstarter first started. And I have no idea why, like in 2010, when they you know, did their Kickstarter campaign, Two years later, the movie didn't come out, and now we're in August of 2013, and no idea when the movie's coming out, or if. Oh, yeah, it was, it was three question marks after the uh, release date on IMDb. Yeah. I mean, they've got a movie for sure, and the Kickstarter model, I think, was um, partially when you donated a certain amount, you got to submit a clip of yourself that they would work into the movie in some way. And when you, when you look at their Tumblr, which is like three months since anybody's updated it, like they're still asking people to send in those clips. So I think that, um, it was, they're trying to maybe, you know, slowly put the film together and people just never, um, uh, sent in what they were supposed to send in or they sent it in and somebody lost it or it sounds like a mess, frankly, but the first um, the first movie, I'm sure they had you know more time or more money, and this is this sounds like somebody's putting it together in their basement, um, even though it was filmed more professionally than say Vegas and Space was. Um, I don't know what's going on with Girls Will Be Girls 2012, but um, yeah, I I personally funded it too. I I I don't know. I put like 50 bucks down for it or something, and nothing, no update, um, no email, no confirmation, nothing. Did you um, send your clip in? That's what I was oh, going to ask. Well, I didn't want to. I didn't want to um, pay the amount that you had to pay for the clip. Okay. <laughs> like I paid, and I was supposed to get like a personal um, telephone like greeting that you could use for your cell phone, like from Varla Jean or somebody who would like, you know, you could use it somehow as your um, your voicemail greeting. And I was always sort of entranced by how that would work. Like, how did you send somebody a recording that they use for their voicemail? And it doesn't matter because I never got it and it never happened. But um, I assume that it might still happen one day. I don't know. Um, I mean, uh, was... we, we need to get like uh, Channel 7 Consumer Reports on this. No. What what, what's that guy like. on Channel 4, Stanley, somebody? That, and he's like, people behaving badly. Oh, I don't know. I, I don't. San Francisco reference. He's, he's like that guy that like waits in the crosswalk with a camera. And when you cross, you know, when you're not supposed to, he jumps out and he's like, why are you doing this? And right. Like, you know, like nothing television. Sorry, that's total digression, but um, we should call him. Yes, we should. I, it's Channel 4. I don't think it'd be too hard to get him on the line. I think he, yeah, I think he should be a guest on the show. <laughs> yeah. The entire show is just keeping Why are you saying that? <laughs> don't say the F word. In fact, he's probably masturbating outside somebody's window right now. Just just look outside. Filming. Yeah. <laughs> and then asking himself, why am I doing that, that's this? That's exactly, yep, it's going gonna, it's gonna <laughs> to just be an eternal loop. Uh, yeah so i well i did want to say about uh we all well i don't know do do you prefer uh vegas in space michael we we both did 
You know, I think for years I preferred Girls Will Be Girls because I hadn't seen Vegas in Space, obviously. When I first saw Vegas in Space, I was like, this is a mess, but I'm going to keep watching it. And it's slowly grown on me to the point that I'm absolutely, like, 100% obsessed with Vegas in Space. And I love it. And Girls Will Be Girls has a whole different place in my repertoire of things I love. But um, well, you, they're I, almost you almost can't compare them, except that the, uh, there are drag queens in them. Uh, right. They're they're completely different entities. Can't they compare them, it. but Vegas in Space is better. <laughs> but I did want to say I thought uh, Jack Plotnick is that his name? Uh, yeah. Did a really good job. I liked I liked his uh, characterization of Evie. So evil. I yeah. just love how evil he was, and. I th- Varla is amazing. Like, if you guys, and I'm sure you're gonna go out and watch a lot of drag queen movies now, but if you, if you there's like, more? oh god, there's so many more. If you like Varla, go find Varla Jean and the Mushroom Heads, or maybe I can help you find a copy if you know what I mean. Wink, wink. Um, but it is so effing hilarious because it's Varla doing a children's show. And she's trying to become more it's she's not the girls will be girls Varla. She's just Varla Jean, the sort of um her uh, character. Her character, exactly. Right. Who's based in New Orleans and she's um trying to go legit and produce a children's show that will make her famous and rich. And um the children's show just becomes this disaster of sexual references and um, you know, <laughs> child sex abusers who get into her cast and um, it's completely hilarious in a way that she isn't as funny in Girls Will Be Girls. Like she's much funnier in her own st- in her own movie um, than she is in Girls Will Be Girls. But I love her. She's like one of my absolute favorites. Although I love one, Girls Girls Will Be Girls, I love her much better. One of the things I thought was really neat about Girls Will Be Girls is the fact that they, all those characters were already written before the movie. It's neat that they wrote a movie based on stuff that was already there. Yeah, it's like when you saw like Spider-Man team up with like yeah. another <laughs> character, <laughs> or like when you would see Superman and Bat, um, Superman and Bat, but they would cross companies like Marvel and DC together, and it was like, oh, like you both exist, and now you exist together, and, and <laughs> it's it's kind of awesome to see that, and it's funny and it's great for what it is. I would take three or four more Vegas and Spaces where I I'm I would be okay if they never do another Girls Will Be Girls. It was fine. But I'd love to see more people like just pick up a camera and like make a Vegas in space type movie and just make something amazing and hilarious and do it with their friends. And I just, I want to see those movies like um, hopefully forever or rediscover them. You know, I'm sure there's a lot more out there. Well, I, all right. We, we usually uh, in the show just uh, talking uh, unrelated oh, wait, non- nonsense, but no, I'm not going to end the show. You, oh, you wanted to say something on topic though, Pat? Yeah, and uh, there's a the, in that interviews with the Vegas and Space people, Miss X said they they went to Con with it. Is it Con or Can? I don't know how to pronounce it, but yeah, yeah. Uh, I don't know. I think it's both. And when they when he was there, he was not in drag. He was he had his head shaved, and uh, they were, they were walking all everybody there. He had somehow they were working at or she was working at. I don't know whether to call him he or she when when he's not in drag. But anyway. They were walking around the city, and he looked like Michael Stipe. So everyone was coming up for his autograph, and <laughs> he said, "No, I, I can't help you." And he said, "I really should have said yes because 
uh, after we walked away, all these girls were screaming at me, fuck you, fuck, fuck you, Michael. So they, we hate REM, we hate REM. It's like, if I would just sign the autograph, Mike, uh, they wouldn't have had such bad press. And I thought that was a funny story. <laughs> and what's really funny is like, Michael Stipe, obviously gay. Like, Miss X, I'm not sure that he's gay. No, he's like, not. That's the that was the other thing. He's like he he's 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 married and his his or he had, a, had at the time he had a girlfriend named Allison. But when he was son, was like saying who was coming, he was said, "I'll be bringing my partner Al." Yeah. And they just assumed Al was a guy, and it wasn't. So he's like everybody was dazzled by. I had a beautiful blonde on my arm. So that is a complete mindfuck to me that that guy would not be gay. Well, but awesome. Yeah, yeah. I, I feel better now. It was a mind fuck to me too, and I thought I was just uh, being uh, homophobic, small minded. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, uh, just to clear up your question though, Pat, about uh, Con or Can, just just say Ricardo Montalban. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, so anyway, Michael, um, I thought uh, I'd try a segment here. So this will be just like uh, when we meet in the halls. This this segment will be talking shit about people at work. Oh, wonderful. No, I'm kidding. There's no fucking way I would do that. Uh, But I did have... All right, so some questions um, for you. uh, Since since we're both straight, I want to get your perspective. So on drag queen movies, what do you feel about, like, the more mainstream attempts, like Priscilla Queen of the Desert or... uh, What was it? Tu Wong Fu? Thanks for everything, Julie Newmar. Yes. So when you talk mainstream... It's interesting you bring up Priscilla because Priscilla um, followed um, the release of Vegas in Space by like, what, two or three years? But like Priscilla also made on a shoestring budget, also made like like the, the, there, were, there were parts where the sets are literally taped together and like the people were like, I can't believe we survived this moment. And but yet the production values are so high. It looks amazing. Um Priscilla, to me, was one of the first, like, big drag queen movies that I saw and loved, and I know it backwards and forwards. Like, so, so many things that I say as, like, off-the-cuff responses to people, you know, it works its way into your mind. And I say so many things that I realize come from that movie. You know, you watch it five years later, and it's like, oh, my God, I say that all the time. Um, and you don't even know it. Like, I do that with Anti-Mame, too. Like, so those movies are, like so ingrained in me that like they they're part of me now but then you get to something like tu wong fu which is such complete and utter shit that it's not even worth watching to make fun of it yeah well anything with john leguizamo i think you can uh, you can pretty much write off such and stockard channing and the strawberry festival shit at the end where they all wear red dresses or whatever like ladies this movie is not supposed to be about you this is about drag queens and the, I, I will give it to Wesley Snipes in that I thought he was um, funnier than he could have – I mean, I, than I was expecting him to be from what I remember. Right, which would be not at all uh, right. with Wesley Snipes, right. <laughs> and I remember that great scene where John Leguizamo, they're running to get in a car and they've all got their luggage and John Leguizamo has all his luggage or his clothing in a garbage bag. <laughs> And I thought, like, that was funny, and that's it. That's the only funny moments in that movie. And those mainstream ones where they've got, like, straight people playing drag queens. Right. Like, even – I realize Nathan Lane is gay, and the birdcage is a little different, but, like, largely not interested. Like, those things just don't resonate in the same way at all because they're not they're not for, for gay people. No, really. they're, kind of, they're kind of Uncle Tom 
in a yeah. way, right? I mean, is that even? I don't know. Can you still say that phrase? But you know what I mean. They're they're major Hollywood uh, attempts to cash in, but but not really understanding the culture. Right. So if they helped, if those movies helped, like straight people get over their bullshit with like disliking gays, and it, if it helped, you know, get Prop Eight passed here in this in this state to or Prop Eight killed rather in the state. Um, because people liked stuff like Will and Grace or, um, you know, those mainstream sort of drag queen movies, then I'm all for it for those purposes. But they don't represent any, like, the, the, it drives, I think any drag queen would, like, drive be driven crazy by the fact that in Tu Wong Fu, which I hate so much I can't tell you, um, they are in drag the whole time. They're never out of drag. And no drag queen is in like it hurts to be in drag. Even the little bit of drag that I've done, like you're in compression garments to give your body a certain shape, and you're wearing pads, and it's very hot, and it's very uncomfortable, and you're twisting your body into a way that, and that's not even like we're not talking about tucking. That is no big deal, trust me. But the um, it would the be rest for me. It, I could tell you that much. <laughs> Well, I guess it is a big deal, if you know what I mean. <laughs> but um, it's not the painful thing that I think people, like, imagine that it is in the way that, like, um, that movie makes it look like Patrick Swayze, you know, just slipped into a, a Chanel suit and, you know, drove his car across country and he was perfectly fresh and looked beautiful. And, like, that's not the way it is at all. Like, that movie was such bullshit. Um, and so not funny. And at the end, the worst part about Tu Wong Fu is, and I'm obviously going off on a tangent. I'll pull, I'll rein it in. At the end, they go to Hollywood or something, and they're having that like big pageant. And at the end, the drag queens that are in that pageant are all real drag queens, and they're like famous drag queens, like Lady Bunny is in that mix, and some people who were famous at the time, but like largely. The fact that the three main characters are played by three straight guys who aren't even very funny, um, it's playing to Midwestern women and, you know, people who just, like, don't know anything um, and aren't bold enough to actually experience what um, drag is, drag performers are really like. Right. And it, I, I hate it. I hate it. I hate that kind of mainstream. Well, I, and I think that's, I mean, that's just the case of mainstream movies, no matter what your... Uh... Sure. What your uh, personal aesthetic thing is, or, or you know, your your pet project, or whatever you want to call it, um, your, your lifestyle, they always get it wrong. Um, sure. Because, as you said, they're aiming for they're aiming for the Midwestern housewives, and well, nowadays they're aiming for uh, European and Chinese markets. So they've they've got to bland things down even more. <laughs> what are you trying to say? I'm saying the world is a big bucket <laughs> of shit. <laughs> That we all have to wade, that those of us with minds have to wade through and <laughs> realize it belongs to the Midwestern housewives. Yes, I'm afraid that it does. In, in reality, it does. But if they pay to see or to buy things that people who aren't Midwestern housewives make, then I'm happy with that. Yeah, I'm I'm being uh, being cynical for effect, although not overly cynical. I don't no, I, I would agree. Um, all right, another question. Like, don't... Go, no, going go ahead. back to Priscilla, one of the—I mean, it's a delightful movie. It's a great movie, but one of the great things about that is I—I I, I watched that when it first came out, and then for years, every time someone from that would be in something else, I'd—I'd 
I just love the oh look at look at Terrence Stamp look uh, whatever that other guy is and seeing them in other stuff it was just the first time I'd see it, I'd be like, oh my god that's from he's from what uh, he's from Priscilla I can't believe he he's doing totally. a regular movie totally I mean, and then, look at like um and I'm sorry to interrupt you but like look at Guy Pierce who has become like Mr. Serious movie Mr. star Macho yeah. Yeah. Hugo Weaving is like the fucking villain in every fucking Matrix movie, and he's the villain in um, Captain America. Like Captain America, right? And he's the villain in so many of those kinds of movies, and he's such a badass. And yet he's like one of the. I thought he was one of the more convincing um, drag queens in that movie. I thought that they were all pretty convincing, and I really like Priscilla Queen of the Desert. I'm I've. As a side note, I've got tickets to see the um, touring Broadway show, like in a week or two. For oh, Priscilla. yeah, I saw. I saw it was coming around. Dreading how bad that's going to be because that's going to be, <laughs> like you know, it's going to be like Mamma Mia. I don't know if either one of you guys have seen Mamma Mia on stage no, or the thank movie. You. <laughs> oh my god, the movie is like the Pulitzer Prize-winning version of the stage play. The stage play is so bad, and it's just about like you know straight white people dancing to old music. And that's, I think, what Priscilla is going to be. So I'm prepared for the worst, but just I'm hoping a, it's something delicious. It's it's just catering to nostalgia, right? Uh, that's what you're thinking. This will, well, hopefully, I mean, Priscilla was uh, was surprising. I mean, I think we all know, especially you, Michael, uh, that pe- a lot of people are shitty and hateful. Uh, <laughs> but that was a it was surprising that that was a breakout film in this yeah. country, and and I, I think it's easy to focus on the the uh ignorant but there are a lot of was it a breakout film or was it just big in the art art no art it film? was actually pretty big for for an independent film it was it was big yeah um, okay you know i, I mean so. i think there was there was mainstream i mean i think it showed in in a lot of theaters across the country um it wasn't just relegated to the coasts um and yeah, it got an oscar nomination too for um costumes although it did not win yeah, yeah. Well, uh, probably some some sci-fi thing won. Uh, that's yeah. Usually, what where they give sci-fi awards. Well, that seems fair. Yeah, uh, but but it, it's I don't know. It's heartening in a way. Those those little victories just because it makes you realize not the the whole country's not Fox News. I mean, it's a small percentage, and most people, if they're not completely liberal, they're at least kind of cool and live and let live. You know. And right. they believe in fairness. Yeah, I think so. I hope so. Land fairness. Land, yeah. <laughs> Land mass-marketed fairness. That's fine, <laughs> as long as it's fair. All right, so uh, second question. Uh, the One of the burning uh, gay issues of the day uh, mm-hmm. um, that, that straight people always wonder about, uh, it's not... It's not how you decide who's going to be a top or bottom or uh, <laughs> or how gay men reproduce, because I think we all know they do it uh, through parthenogenesis like aphids. I want to know. I kidnap children personally. <laughs> I have a dungeon. Transform them that way. <laughs> you just set your movement back about 20 years. Dude. <laughs> oh, nobody <laughs> listens to this show. They'll never catch me. You're right. <laughs> Uh, we do have we do have a strong following among uh, SFPD. I have to say, <laughs> um, they can't be listening to those tuners all day long. The uh, police band. We, uh, so this is the real question uh, that we straights can't figure out: What the fuck is the deal with the Golden Girls? Oh my God! Tell me about it. I'm actually, you know what? I was an early adopter 
um, as most gays are, um, of the Golden Girls when nobody was into them or only just a little bit into the revival of them. And it's been going on for maybe five or six, maybe longer, seven years. And I think, I don't know what touched it off. Maybe it was that like B. Arthur died or, or maybe it was, um, that they were just getting older and you know, people like look back and make everything like this nostalgic, like representation of their like younger years or whatever. Like golden girls. The one thing I can say is that it was always funny and in much the same way that sex in the city, if you just, and maybe you've seen this, but you know, like here in, in San Francisco, there's a troupe of drag queens that performs episodes of Sex and the City, like as if they're little plays. And you realize, my God, this shit was just written for drag queens. Like it's <laughs> word for word. It works if you substitute the men with women or the women with men. Well, wasn't women. it actually performed by drag queens on the TV show? Well, just Sarah Jessica Parker. The others were real girls. Okay. Um, but the... Um, the Golden Girls are kind of like the precursor to that. Like Blanche is very, like very much sort of the slutty, iconic, funny, bitchy, gay drag queen woman. Like she's <laughs> such a drag queen, and Dorothy is so much like of the the sort of funny, bitchy drag queen who isn't very pretty. You know what I mean? Like that. Like they're definitely archetypes that apply to men or women, and I think that. Like they're they're funny and they're bitchy in a way that gay men get, and it's kind of fascinating because they're so old and you know they're not like young like pretty you know tits everywhere kind of women. Right, they're sexless basically. Sexless. I mean, d- despite Blanche being a, a slut, yeah. Right. They well, might girls as well girl, be girls will be girls kind of fits in with with Golden Girls aside from the mother. Marla Jean is the Betty White character and Coco is the B. Arthur character and. Uh, Evie is the the slutty Rue McClanahan. Totally. It totally does. And there's actually, in one of the Vimeo like mini episodes that they did, Scott Thompson from Kids in the Hall oh, plays. Oh, love him. Yeah. Um, he comes on and he plays um, somebody's mother. He plays Coco's mother, I think. <laughs> and he plays, it's, it's literally Sophia. It's like literally, <laughs> it's the same kind of complaining old woman who's always scheming, blah, blah, blah. So it's this archetype that works no matter whether you're talking about male or female. And Golden Girls are just so funny. I mean, they're clearly gay men writing that show. Like Clearly the jokes about like Blanche's like sexual conquest, like it's so far, like if it's still funny now, it must have been more than about what it seemed to be about at the time. So it was, it was subversive in a way is what you're saying, or, or it had subtext that, uh, that yeah. the, the Midwestern housewives that we were talking about, were not catching on to because and I think still don't. Right. And, and that, that was how I saw it as, as you know, like a very safe, uh, what was it like Saturday night sitcom sure. that, that was on, you know, that, that was that had broad appeal, so it, it always kind of baffled me. But I well, can... that's what Mitch Hurwitz said about uh, Golden Girls. He said he loved writing for it because he get a, he could get away with uh, sex jokes there that he could never get away with on another show because it's old men, old women telling the jokes. Exactly, I and mean, it's so it's. I mean, I, I have to say that I'm a little tired of the Golden Girl like uh, like love, and I feel like it's definitely sort of hit a, a saturation point that. Um, I've kind of fallen away from it somewhat, but, um, you know, like at some point that happens with everything, 
you know, like you look back and, and people, um, people are going to look back. What are those 70 shows that people feel the same way about? Like, I don't think Maud is one particularly, but in the same way that we look back at, well, no, I was going to say Charlie's Angels, but we just look at that for the visuals. You right. know, it, it's Maybe. just about jiggling. <laughs> well, I didn't, yeah. I didn't realize that Golden Girls was a, a specifically gay uh, well, like thing. I thought it was just kind of just came back for everybody. I mean, I don't watch it, but I I know I I see a lot of people quoting it on Facebook and like little pictures and stuff with the whole Betty White phenomenon. I think anything that's a cultural, a pop cultural thing like that probably starts with gays, and then we get tired of it and we move on, and it <laughs> ends up on Facebook for straight people to say, "Well, I'm a Sophia, <laughs> I'm a Blanche, or whatever." By the time it hits Facebook, like it's over for us. But well, can I ask you then, as a, a representative of the gay community, to uh, <laughs> not bring back Alf? <laughs> oh dear God, that is so such straight shit. I do not ever want to hear about Alf again. <laughs> I take offense to that as a straight person. <laughs> Alf, oh my God. Or Mr. Belvedere, like those ugly family oh, Mr. dramas. Mr. Belvedere is great. Oh, God. Wesley. <laughs> now there, Mr. Belvedere had that one hot son, that older son, not the young one, that was worth watching oh, that show for. That The one that kind of looked like a uh, doofus? Yeah, he was kind of dumb. Not so bright, yeah. But he wore jeans very well. <laughs> and um, that was very important to me at that age. Um, but, yeah, at that age. Yeah. But like the girls, like in Alf, like the women, um, the daughter was like some like bookish, like big sweater wearing, glasses wearing nerd, right? Yes. That's how they made them in the 80s. Yeah, oh, there, were, there were a lot of those around in the 80s. You remember Give Me a Break? Oh, God, of course. Well, Carter was always wearing those big sweaters. Oh, well, I can't see why. She should have been in halter tops every episode. Um, that, would, but, that would have been a completely different show and probably would still be on the air. Well, I despite the fact that she's dead. (laughs) And funny story, she had diabetes. (laughs) Well, I think that brings everything around. Uh, I thought this was a fun episode. Oh, me too. I had fun. Yeah, thanks for coming on, Michael. I think I think we should have you on more often because you you do a lot of research, uh, which would (laughs) be quite helpful to us. Yeah, next time we'll have you watch straight movies. Oh, that sounds like a lot of fun. <laughs> Guy Pierce's current oeuvre. Yeah, that's true. Next time, next time I come on, we'll come up with some uh, interesting uh, flip where I'm watching stuff that I wouldn't normally watch that you guys like. I yeah, we Pat and I are not very manly. I I don't know that that would necessarily really? be. I mean, I think our taste might be more. Uh, we could force him to read comic books. Well, but I he, love comic books. Uh, yeah, did you not I, get his Marvel will, DC crossover talk, Pat? I will true. take you both down when we talk about comics. Trust me. <laughs> I don't want to be taken down. When you say take us down. <laughs> Meaning I'll be standing outside both of your windows. <laughs> Call back to that other joke, if you remember. <laughs> well, this was this was great. And uh, I appreciate you coming on, Michael. That was You, really, you uh, bore the brunt of the... Uh, the weight of this episode, so yeah, I, I thank talking. you for it. Yeah, uh, so I hope... brought some improv games for us to play, like Mia did. <laughs> well, yeah, we all can't be Mia. <laughs> thank God. Ugh, please. 
I'm, I hope I didn't talk too much. No, it was great. No, it was, it no, was, was great. Honestly. Sure, like anybody listening probably shut this off like half an hour ago anyway. Well, that's going to be the case in every episode, so don't worry about that. Um, true. <laughs> but, but yeah, thanks. And uh, so next week we're going to be doing uh, Seinfeld versus It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia. So uh, come back for that. And, and everybody... Uh, I don't know. Follow us on Facebook or whatever. We don't really give a shit. Do whatever you want. Um, <laughs> but thanks again to Michael Morris. And uh, I guess that's it. So until next week, goodbye, everybody. Goodbye. Bye. A pity she does not exist. A shame he's not a fag. Girl I ever loved was Andrew and Drag. There is no hope of love for me from here on I go stag. The only girl I ever loved is Andrew and Drag. Andrew and